He's Black Guy Fox, and I'm the actual inspiration for that one Offspring song. And together, we're Fox and Friends. Today, the third friend who we are talking to about creativity and social justice is Ashley Garcia from Begin Again. Welcome back to your show. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Living the dream, as always, or as some people like to say. And who are we talking to today? Today we're talking to a good friend of mine, Ashley Garcia. Ashley, I've known since about maybe 2012. Like, we know each other online digitally for for a good bit. I've known her since she was in a band Smalls. I've known her since her new project began again. I'm just happy to be sitting down and, and talking to her about Basically, what she's been up to and her, her thought process going from Malls into her new project. And about their kind of blowing up and meteoric rise to fame right now. So it's going to be a good one today. And speaking of things coming up, Ian, what do you have coming up? As of right now, you guys can catch me at Camp Pennsylvania this Independence Day from July 5th through 7th. And also, you can find me at Pooza Fest this May in Montreal, which I'm so looking forward to. Ashley, it's good to have you. Ashley Garcia, ladies and gentlemen, and the ladies and gentle dames. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. I was just thinking the other day, this, we've known each other for quite some time, like, like digitally. Because for what I recall, I want to go back to, to when we first started talking. It was probably during our our trauma bond over the thin pop punk. Yeah. This is before my time. I don't know anything about this. Oh my. Yeah, that was a wasteland. I'll let Ashley explain the thin pop punk because she was the admin. Man, pretty terrible place. Us admins tried our best, but yeah, yeah, we couldn't really do shit. It got to the point where I just didn't want to be admin anymore. So after about two or three years... Of being in that group i finally told myself no more if you know you know i guess yeah. but <laughs> cultivating a safe space of any kind is really hard like online or or in person and you know props for trying yeah i mean it's extra hard over the internet because there's so many ways to interpret what people are saying and you get so many different people from different walks of life we want to make it a fun place and you know we don't like being dictators but it felt like we had to be dictators and it's kind of scary because that group at least at the time was a very good reflection in my opinion of the overall pop punk scene and how problematic it was at least like circa 2015 i'm sure it's very different now ish because i i still am part of some pop punk groups on online i don't know why i do that to myself in the first place but it, it, it's the same thing as it was 2015, just a bunch of dudes trying to act so edgy, just say very, like, overtly or just, like, mildly racist stuff to try to get laughs and, and hit on any girl that, that gives some attention in that group. So it's 
Some things never change. No. Basically, why are men? Yes. I see. On, 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 on the money. But yeah, that was the first time I act like talking and I meet each other like virtually. Our first time actually meeting, meeting together was when I flew out to LA versus so we just spent like a week or so out there. That was a good time. So long ago. I can't believe we're already in 2024. Yeah, that was, that's, that was what? Like, that was about like 20, 2019. So pre-pandemic. Wow. Very different times. I, I remember us going to Tommy's, taking me there for the first time because that place is delicious out in LA. And have you ever been to Tommy's? I have not. What is it? It is the sloppiest burgers you'll ever want to eat. Do love a sloppy burger. Oh, it's terrible for you, but it's so good. God, we have so many food places here, so many taco places. It's really hard to stay on a diet. <laughs> I, I remember that vividly. I remember us going to Amoeba Records, just just as like search for vinyls and stuff. And then we, we shared one beautiful moment together. And I will always remember this. Walking down, walking down on the Hollywood stars, searching for the Donald Trump one, just for us to chip it off. Yeah, do you remember what, some girl joined in and like flipped it off with us? If yes. I serves correctly, <laughs> I often yeah. wonder how she's doing. <laughs> yeah, that, that that day was so much fun. Then we finally got to reconnect after that. My came out for when I came out to Anaheim, and again that was just the wildest week. That's where you first met Mr. Ed over here. We shared a really good Korean barbecue Sunday come down meal together. That Ian insisted on cooking for all of us. We didn't make him. He chose to. Because nobody knew how to. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm the yeah. only skilled one here. Our hero. That was such a great week. And I had so many memories. I can't believe that was back in September. I had so much Good. fun merch for you. That was amazing. Getting to see, you know, you perform. Meeting you, of course, Ed and everyone else. It was very wholesome. I'm definitely... Or I guess I'm, I'm in general not used to an environment like that. That's like so welcoming, you know? Let me ask you a question because I like I was down front and center while he was performing on the Nick Alexander stage, but you were running the table. How soon did people start coming over like, I need to buy this guy's stuff? I mean, oh my God, I don't even know how long, maybe like maybe 15, 20 minutes. All I know is once it started, it did not stop until we... Pretty much ran out of almost all merch. I want to say we had like, what, maybe six shirts left, something like that. Yeah, we, we had about six shirts left. We had a few CDs left and like, then like a few pins. And I remember like after that, I had to, I was just trying to give them to people, I guess, um, for the last two days of it. But yeah, well, but even then, like people were buying that stuff right before I even started playing too. Cause I remember I was sitting in the green room and I, the doors were open at six. And the show, and I had to go on at seven, but between six and six thirty, I made like fucking four hundred bucks. I'm like, oh my god! That's about right. So I'm like, this, this, this is insane. Then I, I want to go. I want to go walk myself off in the green room and calm myself down and everything, and congratulate myself. Then I remember I walked out, and the line went from the from my from merch went from from the stage all the way all the way over to you. I'm like, that's that's a hefty different distance. Oh my god. Everyone that we encountered was so nice. People were asking a lot of questions like, oh, do you have, you know, other merch? Like, you know, where can I find you? Blah, blah, blah. So we just directed them to that little sign. Overall, a very good night. I don't see things like that happen too often, especially not for solo artists. That weekend, too. We also, we all, I, I remember after that, after that show, too, because I'll, 
both of us we didn't eat like all day and then yeah. the next then the next day we we decided to go to roscoe's and i remember uh, the food went down in front of us and we just didn't talk or breathe we just devoured it it was mm-hmm. just that good then few hours after that we went we ended up going out to um Hang out, Lynn, and everyone back up, back up to over out this bar, which is also a lot of fun. Can I ask you guys a question since we're still on the like the merch thing a little bit? Because like I'm an outsider to this. That's really the bulk of how you guys fund what you do, right? Like merch sales and 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 like actual physical media sales, right? Is that pretty much what keeps an artist going um, financially with stuff? I know I'm not making anything off Spotify, you know. Hey, because Sp- well, Spotify now. They decided that unless you're not making like a certain amount of streams, you don't get any ro- you don't get any royalties from that at all. Even even at that, it was still a third of a cent. So it, it's it's gross. But yeah, all the money you make is usually just via merch. Like you you of course make some some like during shows, but you don't know if you're gonna be splitting that between four or five other people. So you walk out there with like a little bit of money, but also money for gas too. Do you encounter venues trying to take merch cuts? Like, does that happen too often for you? What What is your experience with that? I'm going to be real. This is my perspective. But I didn't know venues taking merch cuts wasn't big until recently. Because every venue that I've played in, they've never taken a merch cut. So this, this, and, and again, this just came as, as a surprise to me. I'm not, I'm not going to validate anybody's experience because that is terrible. And you're seeing, seeing our stories of that is terrible. That, just, that should not be a thing at all. But I personally have not seen, I, like, I personally have not experienced that. The closest, the closest I, I remember, there's one venue that, that, that I play at, and, they, and basically they just say, if you don't have a merch person, then we just supply one, but you got to pay them out at the end of the night. That's reasonable. That, and that's fair. But as far as merch cuts, I've never experienced that before. But it, it's shitty that that's how artists has to make money. So that's my reminder to everyone listening. When you're at a show, buy some fucking merch from whoever you're seeing, especially if you like them. Buy merch, buy vinyl blading. That, that will always help support us no matter what. Slip a greasy 20 in their hands. Cash <laughs> dollars. We only take singles. No, I'm just kidding. With all the, you know, merch cuts that uh, venues are taking for other artists and just overall how important merches now i see a lot of artists a lot of bands upping the price mm. so now in my experience like when i go out to shows i'm noticing that things are a bit more expensive the, like back in the day you would pay like what ten dollars for a t-shirt you know what is it now like 20 25 yeah that, that, that's how much i, I was doing all evening. So everything was like 25 or so i believe but yeah if you're at a show just buy merch buy cds buy buy vinyl do whatever you can just 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 do support that artist in any way that you can that's still just publicity for us and that's ed calls it a meat billboard i I love putting artists i love on the meat billboard because i am a man of a certain size so i take up some space and i wear ian on my chest a lot (laughs) keeps me close to his chest i mean and still have this on my jacket this is a great time to ask ian tell us about that melanin monroe design because ashley just held up a pin since this is audio only i'll just do the narration for that but the Melanin Monroe pin, which I think was the one of the fastest selling things I've ever seen. Where did that design come from and why? <laughs> All right. So for my birthday show, I do that's called Fox and Friends. Just like this podcast. Stay tuned on that information here soon. Every year I, I came up with a different design for it. I think my the, the third year was a PBR logo. 
shaving at a black guy, folks. The year after that, there's a Baltimore beer called National Bohemian, Natty Bo. If you if you if you drank before, then I'm sorry, or I'm glad that you did. Which whichever one comes first. But my friend Jason Ewing made me into the Natty Bo logo. And last year, 2023, the fifth one, I was turning 30, and I said to myself, "I, I there's some of the good examples in this logo. Like if my 30th one, I got 30 birthday, I got to make it big." But I asked my friend Jason Ewing if he could make me into like Sailor Jerry's artwork. And he said, yeah, sure, I can do that. He brought that back. And I cannot tell you how hard I laughed and how loud I cheered for 20 minutes straight. It was the funniest thing I have ever seen. And it was so fucking epic. And then when I, when I posted that photo for the first time, everybody just lost their mind. And then my friend Jake Matthews, shout out, one of my best friends, he said, I know a guy who could turn that into, into an enamel pen. Like, no way. And then Jimmy Federer, he does jam grass designs and he, he created the, the pen. And it just sold out completely. Pretty much almost at Fox and Friends and, and at Lost Evenings too. I was giving, I ended up giving a couple to, to the women from uh, Rice Law Media who put on, who put on Campong's video. And I gave, I had to get one for Frank. I'm not sure what his reaction was at all, but I hope he wears it like a badge of honor. That pin is my favorite piece of merch that anyone has done recently. So amazing. Perfectly. It's, it's just the funniest design. Like my second favorite merch, merch item. Well, the first one that I did was I made booty shorts as thick as fall on them. And those sold out quickly. Are those making a comeback at all? Or are you done with that? They may or may not be make a comeback for, for this year. If there's any demand for them, then we, then we will bring them back. So what you're saying is you're going to have a Megan Trainer moment, like, I'm bringing booty back. Yeah, it's either going to be that. It's going to be the WAP video. We'll see. But enough about me. Let's let's talk about Ashley Garcia. And let's talk about how quickly and how fast your your band Begin Again is blowing up. Because every time I go online, I just see, like, more and more Spotify listeners. And it's insane. So I, I know that you were in the band Smalls before. And I know when you left Smalls, but I kind of want to know what was your thought process, I guess, going into trying to be in again? Well, first of all, how did it come to be? And did you try to make it different than Smalls or were you trying or were you just trying to just test yourself out to see what happened? So, you know, Smalls was a really difficult band to be in, very unprofessional, toxic work environment. I don't think anyone can create in such set environment. So we had just put out the second EP and we were getting ready to prepare for the next one. But I had a feeling that I wasn't going to be around for the third EP. So I just kind of started writing small little verses, little hooks, talking about what I was going through at the time, the uncertainty. It's really hard to spend time on a band or anything and build it up just to have to end up having to walk away from it all. It was a really hard decision for me. So I had all this internal dilemma. I, I just started dating someone. It was my first queer relationship. So I was dealing with that, dealing with the expectation of what new music would look like sound like that wasn't smalls and 
honestly, I didn't really think too much about making it sound like anything. I was just dealing with a lot of really heavy shit and just needed an outlet. The hook for for I Was Never Your Girlfriend was actually written at a Smalls band practice. I was having a horrible fucking time, did not want to be there. I was incredibly uncomfortable because of everything that was going on. And I was just like, they've lost all feeling. Kind of just telling myself that the music just wasn't fun anymore. Like I had finally gotten to a point at said band practice where small songs didn't matter to me anymore. I wrote those lyrics. I wrote those melodies. I can write more songs. It just wasn't worth holding on to anymore. We ended up using that verse for I Was Never Your Girlfriend. That was like the second Begin Again song that we had ever written. The first song was a song called Pop Punk's Dead, You're Next. That was very different, a lot more faster, more like, you know, fast beats and whatnot. I Was Never Your Girlfriend is a very different vibe just in general from like what I was writing as a vocalist for Smalls. Smalls was more like pop punk, melodic punk, but Begin Again had a lot more emotion. And um, I'm just really surprised at how well the EP came out. And I'm really, really surprised that we're getting a lot of people circling back to us for something that was put out in 2015. This is just fucking incredible. Like, like truly. And I, I, I can't, I can't say that I listen to Smalls that much, but from me listening to it, I, I I've enjoyed some of it, but I do find this project for being again a lot better. And I, I enjoy all the emotion. I, I love the emotion of every song that that in the EP just fucking captures. I also I also want to ask who who else is involved in the band for Begin Again. So Begin Again is essentially a pop punk collective. That's the best way to describe us. Okay. So we had a lineup. We had a lineup back in 2015. I was jamming with some local musicians that had like other bands, other projects that ended up taking higher precedence in their lives. So, you know, um, I just kind of got tired of rotating people, you know. I think now in 2024, this is the first time I, in my opinion, have found people that seem genuinely interested in the music. So that's pretty rad. I'm not putting any pressure on anything or like getting my hopes up. But as of right now, we are operating as a, you know, a collective. Right on. I'm curious, since both of you have shared some vulnerabilities, just like as people and in your music. Ashley, do you ever have trouble like performing some songs just because they hit too hard? Honestly, I would say the Begin Again songs hit me in that way. Especially I Was Never Your Girlfriend because... That song is just has so many layers to it. At first listen, it probably just sounds like a whiny breakup song. And it kind of is, but it's not my breakup from one said individual. It was about more so my breakup from a whole community of individuals. And just being like, you know what? These fucking punk songs I'm writing aren't funny anymore. They've lost completely like all feeling, all like attachment that I had. It's just not worth it anymore being treated like shit by my bandmates, ridiculed, made fun of for coming out at 24 and not having it all figured out, getting made fun of for being a Garcia and being proud of being a Garcia. That's another thing. Uh, you know, I can't, we can only take so much as individuals. And I think I had honestly had hit my limit. It's like, this just isn't fun. 
I don't enjoy the people that I'm making this music for. They don't seem to respect me. People in other bands are acting weird. It's mostly a bunch of people who don't look like me, if you get what I mean. So why am I doing this? You know what I mean? No, it, 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 make, it makes perfect sense because, again, you and I have experienced that. I know that you have experiences, too, that, that are like us. Pop punk can be a very toxic and very, like, gatekeeping and, and environment. And people should not be policing um, your name or... Or how or how or how you want to be like I do wonder this though, and you don't you don't have to answer this at all, or maybe or maybe you already have to to an extent. But when you listen to Smalls, what what goes through your mind? Have like have you been back to re-listen to some tracks from them, and when we do, like what? I actually have. I even listened to the stuff that they put out after I left. They did like a three-song EP uh, when we put out. Everything is changing. When I listen to the stuff, at least the stuff that I wrote for them, I just think, you were so young, so naive, genuinely just wanted to make friends and make music. I mean, songs are essentially time capsules, you know, for parts of our lives, right? So that's just really like opening a time camp, a capsule from 10 years ago. And as much as, you know, I have some sour feelings about, you know, what the songs remind me of and what I went through. It's also just, I think about growth. Begin Again is an evolution of Smalls. I am not the same person now as I'm writing these songs in Begin Again than I was back then. I also don't have to take the shit that I was taking back then. So it's cool to feel like I have a thicker skin now, a better understanding of myself. And I feel like if that shit happened now, like it, w- it would be stopped immediately. That's what I think of when I think of those songs and when I go back and listen to them. They were really fucking good, honestly. The vocal performance is not the best, but the lyrics, the structure, everything, just prime, you know, angst. Did you guys ever watch the movie Flight of the Navigator? I th- think maybe. Is it? Is there an alien in that? I think so. It's from like 1986. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah. Okay, for those who don't know what the movie is about, it's basically an old Disney movie from the 80s about a kid that gets abducted by a UFO. And then when he comes back to Earth, he finds out that the whole entire 10 years has gone forward. So what felt like 10 minutes was actually 10 years. So now he's having to get reacquainted with with his environment. Um, having to find his family and kind of deal with the time lapse. Begin again, Smalls, everything right now. People finding the songs through Clone Hero kind of feels like this just big, like massive time lapse. Almost feels like that movie. It feels like I've been frozen for the last five to seven years. And now, you know, I'm getting back into things I'm like, oh, wow, like, I've been through this before, or wow, this is different. I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about that, but I remember talking about that at Lost Evenings. But for people who don't know, what is Clone Hero and what's the connection there? The Clone Hero is a a video game um, that you can play online. It's essentially a clone of Guitar Hero. Our song, I Was Never Your Girlfriend, actually got uploaded to that game, I believe, I want to say 2022. And 
since then, our Spotify monthly listener account has jumped from like, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 people to we're sitting at a little over 8,500 right now. So the songs have been essentially given a new life and a whole new audience, which is remarkable. Like I mentioned earlier, we wrote Everything is Changing eight, nine years ago now. But there are people who are finding this music for the first time and they don't realize that, you know, this was put up essentially a decade ago. That is one of the cool things about recorded music versus anything else. Uh, obviously, like live music is great. Recorded music is great. But the sense of permanence that is there that somebody can stumble and find something from who knows when and connect with it, I think is one of the one of the upsides of the recorded part. Yeah, of course. I completely agree. TikTok is helping a lot of old stuff come back, in my opinion. There's a song that I used to listen to back in like 2010 called, let's say it was a cigarette that, I don't know, it was by an artist called Princess Chelsea, but that song was really fucking obscure. So I was very surprised to see it start reoccurring in uh, TikTok reels. I also heard an old He Is We song that's been, you know, getting popular again. Something. Oh, my God. That name. He Is We? Yeah. I haven't heard that name in God knows how long. Me neither. But then they have, like, some song that's going viral right now that I'm seeing in, like, every other TikTok reel, Instagram reel. And I was like, yo, this sounds so familiar. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, shit, He Is We. I I need that algorithm. My TikTok is just full of Creed. Why? Let's go there. Because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing that tour now. And I guess they come back with a new record or something. So, so everybody has all started singing higher or one last breath. And it's my whole my whole feed is just full of that. It's terrible. I want your feed. That sounds a lot more fun. I rather want fucking He Is We or any like Elstro pop punk stuff. All algorithms frighten me because now that I've hit this age, I get almost nothing but, hey, your dick don't work anymore. Hey. You bald. And yeah, every yeah, yeah. ad on all of my social media is like, you need help with that? You need you need help? That's evil. Sure, you- I, I don't know what to say. And God damn it. So on the subject of TikTok, as, as, a, as a member of the pop-up community, and I have, a, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think it's fair to lump, to lump pop-punk in with emo stuff? Because every time I get online, well, you know, I get on TikTok, I hear... Dave Maria count me in. It's always somebody just wearing fucking what what the emo salute and, and like black eyeliner. Well like the eyeliner, black eyeliner set and shit like that. Mascara thinking. And I feel like man, that poor emo than anything. Like that's not really I hate saying this because I love him so much. That's not really MCR. And it's not like the used or aided. That's just that's more neon than I feel like. But what what are your opinions on? And all time low getting lumped in with emo, I think that is a bit weird. They are definitely a pop punk band, and that's so tricky just labeling things and what things are categorized as now. Because I've been using the term mallcore emo, and it's a 50 50 uh, reaction. Some people hate it, some people love it. Um, how do you, you know, how does one put Sunny Day real estate in the same category as like fucking all time low? You know what I mean? Feel like they're doing by calling everything emo and lumping uh mainstream pop punk bands from 2007 you know what i mean who who is your pop punk mount, mount rushmore or emo rock mount, mount rushmore him uh pop punk mount rushmore i would have to do blink 182 the ergs 
I'm going to have to do New Found Glory. I was really big on New Found Glory. That was like one of the prominent pop punk bands that I was really into. Uh, and then what are we at? Three? Yellow Card. Okay. They're, they're, that's an that's inspired choice. Well, 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 I, actually, I just met Mikey just recently. He's just, he's, he's the goodest boy. Why, why would you put the Yergs up there out of curiosity? Man, that's a very inspired choice. Because you don't hear a lot of people bring, bring up the Ergs. The Ergs are just such a sick band. And, you know, I was inspired by a lot of different music. But what inspired me to sing were bands like The Ergs, Saves the Day, uh, Simple Plan, because they didn't have perfect voices, but they had these amazing songs. You know, Green Day had like a, you know, Dookie is mostly comprised of, um, you know, just four chords over and over again. But that album sold so many copies and people resonate with those songs so well i think the ergs are a band that doesn't get enough credit or appreciation from the pop punk scene there's a lot of other bands i probably could have mentioned the movie life is a band that i really really am big on the get up kids also lifetime that would be my second mount rushmore if i were to uh pick another four acts or do like an east coast edition but the ergs were incredible i've never actually gotten to see them like live but i've seen all these live videos and like i just think mikey erg is a fucking genius like they covered hey jealousy and they made that shit their own you know how hard that is especially with like any like mainstream song like that heroes i was not aware of that so that that was that be my homework yeah i would check that out and then dork rock work rod that's the album to listen to. That's like the go-to one. Do you say Bobcat Goldthwait? What's the name of it? Oh no, it's a Dork Rock Work Rod. That's a great <laughs> album name. I'm I'm gonna look it up just for that. Yeah, it came out in 2004. Say it one more time. Yeah, Dork Rock. Dork Rock Quirk Rod. Okay, Dork, Dork Rock Rock Quirk Quirk Rod Rod. Yes. First track is first song side one, and then my favorite song on that album is a very pretty song for a very special young lady. Okay, the Ergs, Paul Bart Ball Cop. <laughs> she's she's a. I'm dead. Dork Rock Cork Rod. Okay, I, I right. I the it. Ergs Benedict Cumberbatch. Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. The Ergs. The Ergs Black Man Fog. Got it. See, kids, I'm hip and with it. <laughs> uh, post a bunch of their clips on the uh beginning of instagram i'm inspired i'm i'm gonna try to hit up mikey to, to get, try to get him on here but i'm pretty sure after after, after this episode it'll be no <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna see one second of this and be like no i'm not coming on <laughs> i love music i'm in general just very much inspired by great songwriting talked a bit about my emo influences pop punk influences i just love good songs i'm sure we can all relate to that who would you say the main ones were for being again i would have to say definitely red light pledge by silverstein the entire hours record by funeral for a friend the first two hawthorne heights albums a lot of bayside dashboard confessional hands down that was a big uh let's see what else Gosh, I feel like I'm forgetting so many, so many, but those are the main ones, definitely. I wanted to just write something that was heartfelt and just reminiscent of those great songs from high school. 
I guess that's when I got into it first. Right. I I did love some, some Hawthorne Heights. Well, what were the first two records? I, I know, I know, I know. First one had, had on, had on. In black and white. And then I believe the second one was If Only You Were Lonely. I, I can't remember which one had Nikki F. Tambaugh on it. Because I, that, I listened black and white. Yeah, that was a dope one. Some of the lyrics can be a little bit cringy on that album, but the guitars are just so good. And then you get to a song like Nikki FM or Screenwriting an Apology, and all the little corny shit is forgivable at that point. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that whole Victory Records roster back then was wild. Do you ever get those CDs? Like the, they're like, comp, they were compilation CDs. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Oh, my, those commercials were all over my TV about, about getting, about getting a Lady Records compilation and like Hawthorne Heights and like, I think Aiden was on there at some point. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, they were, they definitely were. Uh, gosh, the first, I, first album was called Nightmare Anatomy, if I'm not mistaken, right? That was a really good album. Die Romantic. They're so cool. I honestly, I'm surprised they didn't get bigger. Me too. That same MCR crowd, you know, but they didn't. I was about to say. I was about to say they had they had that same like similar MCR vibe. Jet. I, I feel like as soon as MCR got big, like you saw a lot more bands like doing doing that style. Yeah. So or crazy. like that that aesthetic. Yeah, the aesthetic. Um, did you ever think emo night would be a thing? Either of you? So. How, how Gen X has like 90s night and 80s night. Millennials now have emo nights. And it, it, le- it led to me thinking that, one, this is fucking awesome. Because as an event planner in Cumberland, Maryland, I put on some, some emo nights and pop-on nights too. And just start making those theme nights. But the 30-year-old in me knows now I'm, I'm officially old. And that's what I look forward to the most. Emo and and... and Reminiscing on tours, getting excited at YC like when we were young lineups, even though that's way too much money. So they're based out of Pittsburgh, but there is a band called the Emo Band that does live band emo karaoke all over the East Coast. Are you writing any new beginning in right now? Or we we have some things that we are working on. Like I mentioned earlier, as of right now, we are operating more so as a collective. So. We may have found a drummer, but we have a couple of producers that are interested in like collaborating with us. We're going to do like one or two songs at a time and just kind of fill it out and see, you know, who we prefer to work with. What is your writing process like out of curiosity? It depends. Sometimes I just jump on an instrumental and then stuff just starts coming out immediately. I feel like the best songs are not overthought. I don't know if you could agree to that. If the instrumental is good and it's structured enough, Usually I get inspired pretty quickly and then I'll start having like small lines, uh, melodies, uh, a skeletal version, if you will. And then we just kind of build on that by adding uh, backup vocals, harmonies, tweaking the melodies a little bit here and there, just so there's more of a build up from bridge to chorus, if you get what I mean. But yeah, I try not to spend that much time these days because I don't want to overthink anything. I feel like the best songs that I have personally written have been ones that have not been overthought. It's better to just kind of come back, work on something else. But then even that, you kind of risk having a bunch of unfinished songs and albums, shit that never comes out. But we're focused on five core songs right now, and uh, we're just trying to see how that will work. 
Sweet. The songs are going to be a different vibe. So we're, we have songs that are going to be faster, uh, reminiscent of the stuff that I wrote with Smalls. Then we have the rest of the project, which will be a, uh, a build on of uh, where we left off with everything is changing. We have some things that we're trying that I kind of don't want to like mention right now, but the music is going to be very different. It's definitely going to be a lot more mature. I don't think I'm ever going to make songs like Smalls. I know I have some people who know me from that band and prefer that music, but Begin Again is where I'm at. And that's the future for me as far as my endeavors with music go. Now, are you guys out gigging now, like playing anywhere? We have a show pending for March. We'll see how that goes. LA is kind of like a mess right now. In my opinion, it's more challenging to, you know, find shows that are not pay to play. So we'll see how see how how that works out. We want to gig a lot more, but it has to be it has to make sense. Really, I, I I feel like gigging right now for frame musicians just it's just like post pandemic is pretty hard to do. Yeah, I would agree. Never thought it would really get like this. I mean, it was never it wasn't easy in my opinion back then, but I just didn't think that you would have the obstacles that we have now. Because everything is it's just not rocking, everything's just, just going up. So it's it, it makes it more difficult. I mean, if you guys were to tour, how long how long do you think you guys would, would, would do it for, you think? So we actually had uh, a small tour offer for January that we unfortunately had to uh, step away from just because we didn't have a drummer at the time. So I would say it depends on the region. I've toured up and down California a lot in the 10 years that I've been doing this. I would like to see different areas, regions that I have never played in before. For example, Arizona. I've never played Arizona, but they're not that far from us. I think that would be a cool spot. New Mexico, Texas. I've been to Texas before, but I wouldn't mind going back. But we seem to get the most attention and offers from the Northeast. Ooh. Northeast would be dope. Last time I played that area was 2014 and it didn't end on good terms. So it would be nice to go back. Where's your favorite place to play in California? Best place to play in California. God, that is so difficult. I feel like everywhere that I did play in back then is closed now. Moroccan Lounge is really dope. I hope I said that venue's name well, but they have a lot of good shows there. That's a really cool venue. I can't think of anywhere else, but yeah, Moroccan Lounge is really dope. What cities in the Northeast? Baltimore is amazing. Like the best turnout, in my opinion. Also, Long Island, New York. Amazing. I loved playing that city. Philly was a lot of fun. It's kind of like an awkward like state. You have Philly on one side of the border, and I guess New Jersey is right there too, right? Depending where you're at. I love playing Philly and New Jersey. Worst place that I've ever played, honestly, Northern California. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that was just the promoter not promoting. We pushed that show very well. But I remember playing up north, and it was pretty much just us playing to bands. But that's kind of like, you know, what comes with being a musician. It's kind of a roll of the dice, right? Some shows do well, some not so much. It is. You, you need to get like a, like a good bit of people coming coming out for it, or it's just you and the band, so you just kind of play for yourselves, just like a songwriter's night, basically. 
it, it, it's, it's difficult, but, but you're also like paying your dues and that, that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we all start somewhere and that stuff just happens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it just comes with it and you just don't know like when, you know, you're going to get that one offer that changes everything. Like Clone Hero is not a big deal. I'm very grateful that we are in the game, but we're not exactly rolling in the cash right now. But that came from out of nowhere. I had no idea that was going to happen. I had a friend that I had made online through Facebook, the Defend Pop Punk group that reached out to me randomly back in 2020, like right at the start of the pandemic, asking, hey, could we put one of Begin Again songs in this game? It's like, yeah, sure. Didn't ask any questions at all. And it then it turned out to be something that gets played by hundreds of thousands of people. It's just kind of funny how life works. Tours, record deals work out the same way, honestly. Paying your dues and putting in the work looks different depending on what band you're in, what act you're in, whatever it is. Um, I think it's important to just kind of not worry so much about what everyone else is doing, but to keep focusing on your vision and what you want to do. Because when you focus on your vision, sooner or later, someone's going to notice. I would rather be miserable making music that I love than being miserable and making stuff that I don't like that I just think other people will like, you know, I just don't think that's a smart way to go about things. Exactly. You have to, you have to make music at the, at the end of the day. I think uh, Winmore Salas said this thing, and he said, you make music for the listener, but the first listener is you. So you have to make it for you, for yourself at the end of the day, because music, at the, at, at the end of the day, music is a very therapeutic thing. So if you're not doing it to release out what, what you're going through and you're not, you're not happy with it and nobody else is going to be. Yeah, being yeah, being that authentic with yourself and just accept this is this is where you're at right now, and then you get to heal from that as well. It's it's healing, it's therapeutic, and it's always good just to do it for yourself at first, and then people will catch on for it. Success is not like linear, I guess. There's a lot of ups and downs. People who don't get it at first will eventually come around, and if they don't, fuck them. Exactly. This is the point. This is the point of the show, where we get to ask you some some rapid fire funny questions. Woo! Rapid fire as fast as Ian and I can manage. So it's, exactly. it's kind of a crawl. So first one is what is your what is your what is your guilty pleasure or, 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 or plural pleasures? What are your guilty pleasures? Cigarettes. It's a terrible habit. I'm trying to quit that really shitty pop music and uh god drake i can't believe it's it sick. drake drake is the third guilty pleasure ian on three one one two two three fuck, fuck drake, fuck drake. <laughs> that that timing was so terrible yeah i, can, I know, can fix it in post but you know what's worse drake drake is still worse than that than that time but that, but that being said, let, let's go back. What shitty pop bands are you referring to? I have a lot of questions. Yeah, now. I want to know. I want to know your your Mount Rushmore of shitty pop music. God, okay, this may be controversial, but Taylor Swift, she's definitely out there. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's in, I have a love hate relationship with her music. I love all the old stuff. Red is my favorite album from her, forever. That will always be top tier for me. But like 1989 and all the albums that came after that, 
I'm not into it. My sisters love that, but like, I just, I can't. I'll have one of the songs stuck in my head and just, it won't leave for a week. And then all of a sudden I'm humming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shake it off, shake it off. You see, that's terrible. So, so you got Taylor Swift and, and who else? That's probably Doja Cat right now. Is that terrible? It's subjective. Actually, no, I'm going to take Doja Cat off that. She doesn't deserve that. Shitty pop that I love, Mandy Moore. So, yeah. So, my answer so far is actually Taylor Swift, Mandy Moore. Well, the girl. That's Mandy Moore, right? No. No, that's <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Oh, shit. They, they all sound like to me. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. Like, it gets, it gets tricky. Do you remember Stacey Orico? From back in the day, she was a Christian pop singer. I love her music. I do not. I do not. Yeah, that was, she had a song called Stuck that came out in 2003. If you Google it, you, you will probably see videos of TRL featuring... I think like, I actually remember that song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that I love that song so much, but it's so terrible. I love all her music, and it's not really that great, but I still really like it. Now, who's the Lincoln? We got one more. Kelly Clarkson. See, the thing is, I love all of those, except for the Christian one who I don't really know. I love I love pop music, man. I I, I just love music. It is that, and I have no taste. I'm not one to criticize anyone's yeah. art, but yeah, I know pop music is interesting. Like one day I love it, one day I hate it. I don't know. It just depends on how I'm feeling. <laughs> who well, do you want? Right Oh, and I was just saying, it's like, why am I singing Taylor Swift right now? Why am I watching old videos and MTV performances from 2002? You just got to shake it off, Ashley. You know, to deep breathe. Breathe deep. Make your mind a blank space. And... uh, Oh, my God. And I I got your name. (laughs) And I have two songs stuck in my head all the time. The first one is S Club 7, S Club Party. Just it's the best song known to me. Ain't no part like an S Club party. And the the other one that stuck my head all the time. I don't know why, but everybody in Wang Chung tonight is perpetually just stuck. Because it's a in bop, my head. Ian. It's a bop. No. That, yes. that, that'd be, I, I don't want to talk about Wang Chung anymore. I was going to get really upset at punch o'clock. But what artist do you want to, do you want to tour with? Which you don't want to work with when it comes to being in again. Who would you want to tour on play shows with, tour with? Wow, this is really hard. You guys are asking the hard hitting questions here. I would love to tour with Silverstein. <laughs> that would be amazing. It'll probably never ever happen. But that's my that's my dream tour right there. Or Panda, if you're familiar with Panda from Mexico. Those are the two golden trophies right there. If only Silverstein is so fucking good. Actually, you know what? We always, we almost always work pizza into this too. So, Ashley, um, California pizza, yay or nay? Um, no, just no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cosine. I mean, I, I we have so much better food that you should be trying. I mean, like we have like some of the best taco spots in the fucking world, in my opinion. Uh, at least the best taco spots in the United States. What is California pizza exactly? Of course, you know, New York beer pizza is in like Detroit town in Chicago and and New Haven. I may be like the worst person, but California pizza, in my opinion, is just pizza with 
abnormal toppings, like things you normally wouldn't find, like a Saba pizza. I'm sure that's a thing. I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere. Like who else is thinking to put a Saba on pizza? Californians, that's who. I, I've never heard. I'm, I need to look that up for, for my own good. But that, that sounds, I'm interested to try California pizza now. Or not, or not, because that's the sabo on it. So we'll see. Where can I get good deep dish? Like, where is the best place for deep dish pizza, in your opinion? I mean, Chicago. Chicago. Chicago, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Chicago has a standard deep dish, but I personally like Detroit style pizza. It's like deep dish, but it's less dense. It's just a lot lighter. Hmm, So, and that's, that's my favorite one. And then, Right below that, there's New Haven style pizza. And then below that, there is New York style pizza. Well, New York style pizza, you can just get anywhere because everybody uses like New York style. Did you guys see that No Doubt is getting back together? How do you feel about this? I'm upset that it's for Coachella. That is a valid thing because I said the same fucking thing. That's, that's how I felt when I saw that rage was getting back together for a little bit. Yeah. Then I say, that's awesome. Then it was like Coachella. I'm like, fucking really? I will share my if- fear. I have a fear for this, right? Because we can never escape our influences and our surroundings. So how Blake Shelton-y is that shit going to sound? It's a great question. Like, oh, my God. Is, is No Doubt going to be singing about how much they love their truck and their flag? I don't think that that's going to happen. I feel like they're, they are going to play the hits. So here's, here's where I'm at. I have three feelings about this, about them getting back together. One is that fucking Coachella. Two, if, it's, if they lead to a, a tour... Or anything after post Coachella or new records, something like that. I'll be okay with that. And three, as long as what's funny is new her fucking Harajuku girl, yeah, weird stuff back in two thousands, like with that weird Asian friends that she had. I don't care. That that was a really weird period in time for one Stefani. Like I don't know where that came. Like looking back on that, that was really problematic. And then like we all. Well, not we specifically, but everyone just kind of allowed it. Now it's good, you know. It's Gwen Stefani. It was so weird. Granted, that song, all that 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 era also again was the greatest song of all time, which is "Hella Bad Girl." Damn, it's it's so iconic. Like you can't you can't deny that that it's iconic. So I want to go back to my terrible pop Mount Rushmore and just swipe and swap out. One of my answers for specifically that song. I think that song. Just, just <laughs> that song. Just that song. Oh, uh, man. It's, it's so awkward. I, I look at back at certain trends with like fashion and just music. And I'm like, man, some of it was really cool. But some of it, I'm just like, wow, why did we think that was that was nice? Why did I spend well, so much money it, on Genco's in my club kid days? <laughs> I haven't seen the price of Jenkos recently. They they cost like two hundred bucks, like two twenty five for a pair of Jenkos. I don't want to talk shit on them, but two words: whoop whoop. You already know who's you already know who's buying it. That being said, Ashley, you're one of my favorite people of all time. I'm really grateful that one that, that we became friends over a pandemic and just up till now. And I love everything that everything that, that you have put out. Always will. And I'm thinking for just being here during my dark times. And I truly appreciate you. And I always want you to know that. Thank you so much. I've been through a lot. We all went through a lot. Pandemic wasn't easy on anyone. But hearing you say that makes me feel better. 
like I actually have a friend. I feel like I don't really have too many friends. So it's been nice to, you know, get to do things like work merch for you, you know, during, you know, your set at Lost Evenings or getting to see you play on stage with Frank, watching you put out, you know, a new EP with vinyl and just seeing you thrive makes me want to, you know, keep going and keep trying. Thank you, Ed and Ian, for having me on this podcast and just, you know, being so cool with me. I really appreciate it. It makes it easier for me to come back to music and feel better about what I'm trying to do right now, that is. Well, what, what you're doing is, is paying off and, and showing the, the fact that we keep saying your Spotify just blow up constantly. So you're you're on your way. You, you can show like actual like physical or tangible merit to, to, to the things that you do. But but from the bottom of my heart, you're so fucking talented as a songwriter and, as, and, and just as a person, as a lyricist. So... You're doing well. I always I want you to know that all the time. You deserve every good thing that happens to you to be in it along the way. And I'm and I will help out in any way I can to make sure things happen really happen for me and again. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. We have a lineup right now. I don't know how it's gonna go. And I say I don't know because I'm just used to always expecting the worst. So I don't wanna, you know, hype anything up. But, you know, it would be cool to get to play a show with you back east. Okay. Hell yes. I've been waiting for this for, for God knows how long. We need to make this happen because that will be the most badass show of all time. Actually, is there anything you want to tell people back um, who are listening in where to find you and what's, what all is coming up next for Begin Again and everything? Stay tuned. We have new merch coming out. We also have a couple songs coming out and a music video. That is definitely on the way. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram under Begin Again Band. Check us out on Spotify. Listen to Imbalance from California. Yeah, check them out too. That's what I got to say. This show is the brainchild of Black Guy Fox, folk punk Rio. You can find him on all the social medias as Black Guy Fox or Black Guy Fox Music, as well as on his website, blackguyfox.com. The intro and outro are both from the song New American Meltdown by Black Guy Fox, so that's legally covered because this is his podcast, and that is his song available on the album Life, Love, and the Bomb. Additional music elements provided by Fab Shop Music, a royalty-free music subscription service for podcast hosts and YouTube creators. More info at fabshopmusic.com. Sound design and editing by Ed Cunard, who appears courtesy of his dog and many, many cats. Cover art by Jacob Matthews, a pal who has been down since day one. Fox and Friends is hosted on Spotify for podcasters. Listen on Spotify for the best experience. Finally, while Fox and Friends firmly believes that punk rock is and should be a safe space, we know it can't be safe for everyone without excluding bad elements. So remember, remember. So they're based out of Pittsburgh, but there is a band called the Emo Band that does live band emo karaoke all over the East Coast. They're coming. They actually are, are coming to Cumberland on Saturday. You oh, going? This, this Like two days from now? Yes. Okay, I'll edit this part out because this will be out after that. <laughs>